0: I work with so many parents who are wanting their, their children to change as we spend time with, with parents and with families uh, we start to get to, to know what's, what's truly going on behind the scenes. This is what I mean. When parents bring their kids to Fire Mountain, they're dealing with these actions and results they're, they're saying, my, my child got busted with with marijuana, they've been ditching school, and now they've been suspended. Now those are just actions and results, and therapy requires us to start looking at the thing that inspires actions and results, which are feelings. What inspires feelings are thoughts, and what inspires thoughts is the value system based on experiences. So actually it goes from experience to thought to feelings to actions to results. And in a therapeutic intervention, we're going way past results and actions, actions. and results, and we're getting into the feelings and then the thoughts that led to those feelings and then to the value system, the experiences that makes those feelings valid, that makes those thoughts valid. I've used this example a lot where I say, if you are brutalized by someone wearing a red shirt and wearing khakis, going to target is going to trigger something in you. Now, of course, your prefrontal cortex is saying, I'm in target. I'm not in danger. The person who beat me, that was many years ago. That red shirt's not that red shirt and red shirts don't mean violence. But that's not how trauma works. The experience has told you that red shirts and khaki packs are dangerous. However, there is something that's even beneath the experience. And that's the influence, the influencers. My guest today is Dr. Roberta Shaler, and she has a concept, and she talks about it a lot, and, and she's gonna offer you all the ways to be in touch with her, and I tell you parents, you're going to want to listen to this doctor's podcast, and she is a massive presence in the podcasting world. I'm gonna let her tell you all about herself, but today we're talking about hijackals. We're talking about people who can influence what's going on because of their mental state. This might be your parents, this might be the kids themselves, this might be the environment that you live live in, but the hijack, and how this influence, this primary influence in your life can affect everything. And what's so important is, if we wanna change the results, we think we should change the actions, and that's what parents lecture kids on. Change your actions, you'll get better results. In the mental health industry, In the recovery industry, we know you can't even just go all the way back to reframing life experience. You have to talk about influencers. So today, we're going to learn how to confront the hijackals. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. My guest is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Doctor, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Aaron. I always love talking to you, and we have so much to talk about.
0: I, I really feel like we could we could just talk for hours, and if we record it, neither of us will ever have to do a podcast again.
1: <laughs> or we'll have a wonderful book.
0: <laughs> True. We, we'll get it transcribed, and we're done, and we can just both retire and never do a podcast again. Doctor, let, let please tell the parents about your, not just your, your, resume with all the letters after your name. Cuz cuz you told me you got your PhD while you were raising kids, while you were you still had teenagers living in the house and that's that's an accomplishment of its own in its own right. But you also talked about your childhood briefly with me in the past and I would love to hear, for parents to hear both of that from you.
1: Well, certainly. I was raised by two hijackals. and of course if you're raised by hijackles, you're going to become a hijackle magnet, so you will marry one, and then all the things that will go from there. So let me tell you a little bit about hijackles. When I was looking at what people were actually doing, and I have clients all over the world because I work through video conferencing, general to them all where they were running off to the Google goddess and saying, here's what's happening in my life, and the Google goddess was being mistaken for a mental health professional and was spitting back clinical titles and diagnoses. And this is dangerous, it's not a good idea, because it creates further separation. You start seeing that the other person is all the problem and you forget that you're in the relationship. And so you have to have some balance. So I created the term hijackle, so that we could talk about non-clinically, we could talk about patterns, traits, cycles, behaviors, Of these people. And a hijacker, by my definition, is a person who hijacks a relationship for his or her own purposes and benefits, and then relentlessly scavenges it for power, status, and control.
0: Do you generally see this as something that a hijackle does out of willingness or out of capability? And I guess what I mean by that is do hijackles generally have mental health issues or is this just uh, an arrogance? Is this just a dragon that needs to be slain? What, is, what are hijackles motivated by?
1: Well, hijackals are not born except for the ones that have psychopathic tendencies. They are actually created by their environment, the trauma, the life that they grew up in, whether or not they experienced childhood neglect or uh, had um, adverse childhood experiences. They may have been modeled by a parent. They may have made themselves into a pretzel to keep a hijackal parent happy. And so they became uh, very much people pleasers. And so they come from a lot of different ways. But what's really important to know is, If you have these patterns, traits, and cycles, or you're experiencing them in another human, it is so wise for you to recognize them. Because a hijackal is a person who has tendencies towards disordered personalities. So they're not going to be a mental illness. They are going to be a personality disorder going in that direction. And those are very clear distinctions, Erin, as you know.
0: Can let's let's give the 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 moms and dads out there like a, a, a list of the personality disorders so that they can start to see. I mean, I ultimately we want to express what's the criteria, what are the traits. So let's talk about uh, disordered personalities versus sure. sociopathy and and psychopathy.
1: Well, those are personality disorders. So you're, if you're going in a clinical direction, you're going to find. Uh, narcissism, sociopathy, psychopathy, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder. These are things that are disorders. They cannot be cured with medication. Very, very important to know because, you know, in the industry of looking at teens— We've been through waves of saying, oh, well, the kid is ADHD and we just have to medicate them and then everything will be all right. And then the parents didn't do anything. You know, we've spoken off air before, Aaron. I was principal of a school for at-risk teenagers for years and I would meet with the parents. It was a study that was invaluable to my practice.
0: As... We talked about the medicating of disordered personalities and how, uh, you know, it's it's not solvable. And and that puts parents in a place where they feel like not being able to solve that problem with this medication. It's a death sentence. But the truth is, is that you and I both know that this is where therapy can come in and this is where um, medication can assist. Can you help parents draw the line of what medications are for for someone with ADHD or bipolar or even borderline personality disorder?
1: Hello. Okay, let's distinguish between those. Um, if, if we have somebody who has ADHD, that's a, something that if it is truly the diagnosis and not just we want the kid to settle down so they're not such a problem to me, right. um, that's something that medication can help. However, there are many things that it can't. Bipolar is helped by medication. But you're not going to help a sociopath, a psychopath, a narcissist with medication. Sometimes in the borderline area, we can give them some relief, but true personality disorders are not helped by medication. We may have comorbidities so that we can treat the other piece of what's going on, but the personality disorder cannot be addressed in that way. It has to be addressed from a very functional point of view. A parent has to look at themselves in deep ways and find out, you know, what have I instilled in this child? What kind of environment have I created and what kind of changes could I make?
0: It's, it's interesting. You, you brought up uh, uh, something that I saw years ago, and I love it. I'm so glad you brought it up where, you know, it, make sure it's a true ADHD diagnosis and not YTD. Now, doctor, do you know what YTD is?
1: No, but I can I, I don't know what the words mean, but I know what the meaning is.
0: It means youthful tendencies disorder. And it was it was a great <laughs> article it was like, this this child is running around imagining that they're slaying dragons and they have their shoes on the w- wrong feet. We got to medicate them. It's like that's just being a child. And and you're so right. The diagnos the desire to have a diagnosis for behavior must be, be legitimate. Now now let's get back to the jackal piece because the, the high cor- jackals the the high jackal piece. Thank you. Let's get back to the hijackle piece because is is every single one of these hijackles are they do they have one of these things going on or like is it is it a chicken and egg thing or like. Uh,
1: They can have tendencies, Aaron. Um, You know, that's the great thing about understanding the use of the term hijackle because you were describing someone who has maybe narcissistic tendencies, narcissistic behaviors. They may not be able to be diagnosed as narcissistic personality disorder. They may not be able to be diagnosed, A, because they're never going to go for diagnosis because they are so perfect that there is no flaw in them. So why would they go? (laughs) But for those of us who have to experience them or live with them or love them or work with them, we need to understand the behaviors so that we can see the tendencies and know what to do in response. And it's not something that we can just say, okay, you go over there and you deal with your thing. If it's a child, you know, we have to look at our responsibility. What did we instill in this child? Then we have to look at how they're acting out and what they're acting out about. You know, I used to work in a residential treatment center for kids back in the day called Emotionally Disturbed. Right. Right. And, you know, you could have a child there that, of course, we don't diagnose children. We don't. I mean, a child under 14, 16, we do not go into diagnosis until that time. But I met children who were four or five years old who thought nothing, no conscience, no care, no empathy, thought nothing of running after a cat, stringing it up and lighting it on fire. Right. Right. That's going to be the likely diagnosis when the child reaches diagnostic age of a psychopath. They want to hurt things. They feel nothing when they hurt things. There's delight in having power over something and destroying it. But psychopaths are the small category of such a tiny,
0: such a tiny, tiny part of the market.
1: Absolutely,
0: yes. talk a little. Yeah, thank God. Uh, and talk a little bit about your childhood because you mentioned being raised by two hijackles. What did that look like? let like, it give 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 families something to grab onto where they could say, "Well, oh, that sounds like my dad. That sounds like my mom."
1: Sure. Well, first of all, my mother didn't want children. She made that abundantly clear for my entire life. Like verbally, she, like like
0: actually told oh, yes. you. Oh, okay, oh yes, okay.
1: yes, yes. I never wanted children. You know, um, that's one thing that you will hear from parents who have hijackal behaviors is I didn't want you. I brought you in. I can take you out. You are under my control. You are my creation and I can wipe it out. I don't care about you. I don't care what your feelings are. The thing if you have a hijackal parent is the only way you're going to get validation from that parent is if you make them look good. They're not interested in your feelings. They're not interested in your thoughts. They're not interested in your desires. They're interested in you making them look good. So hijackle wife is pregnant. Oh, look what hijackle did. Okay, hijackal parent has a child performing on the stage. Oh, look at my child. The child at home comes and is crying and says, you know, I'm so sad I had a terrible day. Hijackle parent says... Suck it up. Who cares? I don't want to be bothered with that because you're not making me look good right now. And here's an ultimate test. And I know most parents have done this once or twice, so don't get too worried. But if this is a constant, you know, we have this saying, and I was raised by it. Not that I cried very often, but I soon learned not to. But it would be this I'm crying, and the parent says, Stop your crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I will be the author of your pain. I will be the author of your discomfort. I will be the one who has power to make you feel bad or make you feel good. And that can be very generalized in a child's experience. They're not allowed to have their feelings. If we get into looking at their right to exist, you know, from if we look at chakras, or we look at basic things, the right to exist is primary. And if you are told, you know, I didn't want you, it messes with your right to exist from a very early age, and you start to morph like a pretzel. So you either become like the hijackal parent So that you can get in cahoots with them, which eventually leads to competition and disaster, or you become the people pleasing the pretzel. How can I make you happy? How can I stay out of your way? I will say anything you want. I will do anything you want become completely malleable. And you don't have your own sense of self.
0: So this now starts to make sense on why the term hijackle. First of all, the, the imagery of the jackal and that, 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 that consistently feasting predatorial uh, scavenger. And then, and then when you have an experience with, with hijackers, not that either of us have ever, you know, traditional terrorist image of hijackers, but your entire life becomes at their whim and will. And what I'm hearing you say is that these are parents, spouses, and perhaps even children. I can start to see some of this emerge, especially with the children I work with, on how they start to put the families into a certain place. This family will be happy when I'm happy. And this, but, but you become, as you said, the author. Every emotion, every experience is at the Will Women creation of this hijackle. They get to decide who and how. You're happy when I say you're happy, and if you do the things that make me happy. You're sad when I say you can be sad, and most likely it's going to be about the things that make me sad. So this sounds like narcissism. What separates what you're talking about from narcissism other than a non-clinical term that has diagnostic criteria? Nothing. Got it.
1: I mean, narcissistic tendencies, narcissistic behaviors exist Within and without a diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. It's a matter of degree. It's a matter of frequency. It's a matter of practice. So it's, it's very important to recognize these things. There is no distinction and a sociopath or a psychopath is going to be narcissistic. It's inherent in the description So people who are narcissistic are going to gaslight you, which is what you were just talking about. Your parents are going to gaslight you. That means that your parents will tell you what you need, what you think, what you want, what you remember. Your partner will say to you, oh, no, that never happened because it happened this way. And you say, no, I distinctly remember that. No, it didn't. You're very mistaken. You have a bad memory, you know. And so they start getting you to second guess yourself and question your sanity and they gaslight you, which basically means they tell you what your reality is, or at least they try. And it's very important for everyone to understand that when you have that little tweak, you're saying, no, that's not the way I remember it. And that other person is insisting they're right. Wake up and say, are they defining my reality for me? Are they telling me what I remember? Are they telling me what I saw and what I heard? Yes, they are. They want to bend reality to the way they want it so they can have an advantage. That's what happens when you have hijackal tendencies. So raising children, of course I want to bend that. I want you to do what I want you to do. I want you to behave the way that makes me look good. I want you to stay out of my way and I don't want to be bothered with you when you're not making me look good. And oh, by the way, if you seem to be going with your non-hijackal parent and approving of that, I'm going to try and drive a wedge in there and become the Disneyland parent who gives you everything while the other one disciplines so that now the child will be in total confusion because the poor kid... Is half of each's DNA. They don't want to choose which parent. Right. So they are just jumping hoops all the time. It's exhausting. They don't know where to look. They don't know what to do. And so they make something up or they run away or they distance themselves or they try to get attention. And that can be one of the things that causes kids to come in your direction.
0: You you said a a lot right there. So I want to unpack some of the stuff because it's. First of all, I'm I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. I'm, I've been watching one of my best friends uh, go through what is now five years of a divorce uh, and divorce proceedings in custody with a hijackal. Like everything you're describing, um, and it has turned into you know where 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 the one parent is not letting the other parent have the time or the and the space or the voice or anything, and the child is being forced to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, the the child is being forced to choose the hijackle, you're forced to choose the hijackle's reality of the situation uh, and and it, it is it's it's terrible to watch and it has been brutally painful to watch this father even still with court systems favoring the mother and especially unfortunately this one and the hundreds of thousands of dollars he spent just to get 50% custody of his son and the lies that he's had to navigate. And so I watched this and I also know my, my wife's mother was like this. My wife was raised by a hijackal. Why? Why? And, and, and I, and I know, you know, because we're talking about narcissistic tendencies, but what is the motivation behind narcissism? What, what is the, the hijackal getting out of this? Why, why do they do this?
1: They have an innate need to win because they are totally fear and shame based. So they put on this facade of push and demand and threat. And really what you have underneath is a quivering little mass. Now, don't go putting on your compassion hats and say, oh, <laughs> let me take care of that. This is their pathology. This is what happened to them after they were born. And you can't do anything about it. The thing that is so distressful is that if you have a hijackle adult and they're in your life and they are consistently behaving in hijackal ways. And let me say this, Erin. Hijackals will put on a public picture of perfection oh while at home creating a private place of pain. So you've got the public picture of perfection at home. Everything is sideways, backwards and upside down. You go to tell somebody in the public that it's sideways, backwards and upside down. And the public says, oh, how can you say that? They're Wonderful this is what happened to me. My mother was a primary malignant hijackal. And so she was the hospice fundraiser. She was this, she was that, she was the other thing. Everybody was afraid to see her coming because she'd always ask them for money for hospice, but it looked like altruism. It wasn't. It looked like altruism. My father owned a grocery store. He always had candy in his pocket. He gave it to adults and kids and everything. It looked like it was something much different than it was. And here are these two humans raising me, right? So we have this at home. My father would say, don't bother me. I'm watching television. My mother would not not bother speaking unless she wanted something. And there was at home this letting the hair down. I hate that expression. You can let your hair down at home. That means that you can behave the worst to the people you say you love the most. Come on. Right. That's crazy. But that's what happens in a hijackle. They paint a public picture of perfection, and at home, they create a private place of pain. So you get very confused. Like, my parents look like these wonderful pillars of society, and everybody likes them, and yet at home, they treat me with total disregard and neglect, or they're mean, or they're demanding, or, you know, you get 98% on a test, and they say, why didn't you get 100? You're not trying hard enough. You're not good enough. All of these things start to be built in
0: my wife tells a a story often where she expressed to her mother she was going to be a veterinarian, and the mother said, "You should be a real doctor you know and it's and it 's just like what that it, it. it feels and looks and sounds and smells like brainwashing and it, this is the type of stuff that we see um, people it in cults start to go through where despite the pain that's going on in private, the public face must be maintained at all costs. And so I wonder when a child is dealing with an, with like my best friend who's, who's dealing with a divorce that's, that's like, it's pure alienation. It is parental alienation. And you are describing the mom. This is me not being a jerk about some woman who doesn't want to share custody. This is one of those situations where there is a a psychopathy, there is a a parental alienation, and there is clinical narcissism taking place. How does a child end up choosing the healthy parent? Because it sounds like if if you're constantly being told to turn this way, look to me, look to me, I will tell you how to feel, I will tell you what to do, I will tell you when to do it, look to me, that... At what point do you get the freedom of choice?
1: Well, the healthy parent is going to be the empathic one, the empathetic one, the one who says, oh, that sounds difficult. The one who who gets in in the boat with you when you're sad and says, oh, yes, it's awful to be sad. How can we talk about this? What could we do? What made you sad? And they care where the other parent is going to say, buckle up. I don't like you when you're sad. Choose another emotion I feel like dealing with. (laughs) So it's very important in the healthier parent, and they're probably worn down, torn down and put down so far that they may not be terribly healthy, but they're healthier than the other one. And to empathize with the child, not bad mouth the other parent, but be able to learn. I always tell my people when they come to work with me, First of all, unless there's sexual or physical abuse, we're going to do two things. We're going to practice and prepare, practice and prepare. We're going to get new skills to look at our emotions, look at our behaviors, look at the ones that are coming at us, make new choices. That's where the practice comes. And we're preparing then to make a clarifying decision about what we want as our next steps. Very important. So in this practice model, the child needs to relate to a parent who can practice setting boundaries and making um empowering responses. I'll give you an example, Erin. A <clears throat> an empowering response to somebody who says, you know, you've got that all wrong, you never listen. An empowering response is, no, I I'm sure that I am totally able to determine what I remember and that's not the way where I remember it and it's just a neutral statement that says no you're not going to put me in the slush pile with this one no we're going to stay neutral at a minimum that I am not going to be pushed over and made less of I am just simply going to be empowered enough to say not how I remember it. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with my thinking. I believe my recollection is accurate. To be able to make those statements, that's a very important beginning place, Aaron.
0: Now, what I know is going to happen after that, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of, a, a lot of like I said, I, always, I can always hear my listeners' questions in my, in my head. And when you, I mean, what a powerful statement. I'm sure I am totally able to determine what I remember like like that I love that it's brilliant I'm going to use it on everybody that's going in my repertoire that is in my toolbox from now on the the piece that that I know comes up next is that's where the punishment begins when you set a boundary with a hijackal they punish you yes, they, they, they alienate you. They stay away from you. If you're in a relationship with one, the sex stops, uh, kind word stops. Uh, they, they ghost you on, on phone, internet, email, texting. You have to have the energy to hold that boundary. But if you're someone that struggles to be alone, I mean, that's why you're with this person in the first place and not because necessarily you struggle and you don't want to be alone. So Like, like, what do you do when that punishment shows up? How do you respond to that? Or are you saying that, that when you, when you realize you're with a hijackal, you've got to double down on your energy mass and wait it out.
1: You are best off getting some distance, being able to see what's really happening you know, on my podcast um, that I released this morning, I was talking about six ways to stay safer when you're housebound with a hijackle right now. And one of them is the most important of the six is the beginning one, which is watch, don't catch.
0: Watch oh their my behaviors. gosh, that's but watch, don't catch.
1: Don't catch their behaviors. They're contagious. You want to say, I'll show you what it feels like. And that never works because that just means battle on to them and they're going to just destroy you, demolish you. Um, So it's very important to do this practice, as I say, to come to that place of neutrality where you can with conviction and maybe in the beginning, not so much conviction say, oh no, that's not the way I remember it. Oh, uh, that is actually not what I want. But if you'd like to know what I want, I'm happy to answer the question. The hijacker will never ask you what you want; they'll tell you (laughs) what you want. But you have to come to that place of being able to say, "No, actually, that's not what I want." But if you'd like to know, please ask. And these are the neutral places. You get in that zone of neutrality. That's a big step for most people who are in a hijacker relationship and have begun to see it, because they now step back. They watch and they say, this person always um, blames me for everything. And yet, as I step back a bit, rather than being in the emotional forefront of it, I step back into a little logic and say, no, I've examined my behaviors and I can't see anything that contributed to that result. So I now feel fine to say, no, actually, that is not what I wanted. That's not what I remember. That's not what I did.
0: Okay, so we got about five minutes left before we need to spend some time making sure that these listeners can start moving over and, and experiencing you and, and finding all your your podcasts because you have multiple podcasts. But, but, but before we get that, I want to spend five minutes on like some of these you talked about six the podcast you just did six ways to stay safe when you're shacked up or shackled to which, <laughs> which one was it? <laughs>
1: When I said you're housebound with a high housebound, housebound.
0: all right, I'll use shackled too. Um, the the we need that too. <laughs> well, I'm sure. See, that's what my next question is. Where's the line? Because where's the line between the committing to working on the self and the relationship to quitting and moving on? Because especially when you have children, or if these are your parents or if this is your own child, the energy to commit to the relationship in a healthy way, it's going to exhaust you at the very least. It's going to exhaust you. So how do you know where that commit and quit line is?
1: Well, the most important thing is when you're feeling exhausted, you ask yourself, where did the energy get placed? What happened to it? And if it's the relationship that sucked all the air and energy out of the room and you, then you have to pay attention to that. The next step then is to create that little bit of emotional distance I was speaking of earlier and get a perspective. Like, I get blamed for these things. These are persistent behaviors. These are cycles and patterns and traits that I see repeatedly. Are they mine? We always need to be able to separate. This is mine that's yours. This is mine. That's yours. But if we get in, in the hijackal wants everything to be theirs. So they want you just doing what they want you to do and seeing things their way and becoming compliant. And then they can make you wrong and make you wrong and isolate and marginalize you and, and totally leave you flattened. And when you begin to recognize the things that we're talking about today, I want you to get a little air. I want you to start to pump up your own tires and say, no, it's not okay with me. This is not okay with me. I am not going to allow this to continue. And that doesn't mean you have to jump up and do something heroic. You're not going to leave unless there's physical or sexual abuse. You're going to say, okay, step by step, I'm going to examine what's going on. I'm going to see where it was all right with me. I'm going to see what is now all right with me. And then I'm going to determine what going forward is all right with me. I'm going to practice having boundaries, speaking my boundaries. Maybe I begin by speaking the boundaries in my head because I'm afraid of the hijackle. But I begin to reframe. I begin to have a different inner dialogue. Say, no, that's not all right with me. Instead of going, oh, there he goes again. Or, oh, she's at it again. Going, hmm I don't like that. That doesn't work for me and it's happening again. That's a big journey for many people. And if you were raised by a hijackal and you're in a hijacker relationship because being raised by one makes you hijackal bait, right. you're used to being comfortably uncomfortable in a relationship. And when you begin to realize that that's been my whole life, I don't want it to continue that way. Then you have to do all of these things to come to center, to come to the middle ground, before you can do all the things that you need to do in order to make clarifying decisions.
0: You have said some pretty potent stuff and I want to, I, and and this is the best thing in my opinion about being a podcaster is having these experts like you come on to teach the parents, these things, I get to learn them too. And I, my notebook of, of my podcast where I continually keep my notes you're you're a three pager. Thank you very much. Um, but you talked about that that narcissism and what makes someone the difference between someone just being arrogant and selfish to being a narcissist has to do with degree, frequency, and practice. Um, the idea that um, this is this is someone who literally your life is on their terms. Plain and period, plain and simple, and that so much of that comes from them because of their ultimate shame, blame, and especially with borderline personality disorder, if that's present, the the unreasonable fear of being alone, and so we we know that that they're motivated by a an unreasonable uh, uh, emotional experience that has caused dysfunction in into their uh, uh, experience. You. The energy to hold boundaries, the way you said this statement, I want parents to hear this because this is not just a skillful statement to say to a hijackal. The way this statement is phrased, it is a nonviolent communique of saying to someone, my experience of what is going on is different than yours. There is no accusation within the statement. The moment you say, no, you're wrong. That's not what happened. As you said, doctor, that's battle on. That's game on. That's what turns a hijackle on and they go into double down mode. And you will walk away feeling crazy, stupid, or insane. And what you said is, I'm sure I am totally able to determine what I remember. That is such a brilliant statement on so many levels. Um, The watch don't catch when you talk about what to do then when the punishment starts, because that is the part that really hurts. Not just being told what I should think. I mean, that can wear you down. But when you disagree, you get punished. That's where the brainwashing starts. And I use so the
1: brainwashing, I just wanted to say this because you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Gaslighting is their form of brainwashing. You will do it my way. You will see it my way. You will get the result I want. You will remember what I want you to remember and how I want you to remember it. You do not have a voice in your experience. I will define it for you. And that is the kind of thing that we call brainwashing and we call it gaslighting when you're dealing with a hijackle.
0: How are I let's let's get parents to your podcast. I you're this is brilliant and I want parents to learn as much from you as they possibly can.
1: Well, there it is. Save your sanity podcast.com. You'll find me there. My show is carried as Aaron's is on the Mental Health News Radio Network. You can go there. And you can always come over to my website, which is transformingrelationship.com. I see clients all over the world, and I invite people to have their introductory one-hour full session for only $97, and you can go to beaclient.com. So I'm available in so many ways, Erin, and it is absolutely, I've said this to you before, Helping people with this is what floats my boat and flips my skirt. And I want to help as many people as possible.
0: That that is, I think, one of the reasons why I've become so fond of you so quickly is that our missions are just so truly aligned is, you know, yes, we have our businesses and we run, but these podcasts are there to help everybody in the world and get the information from the experts that we get to meet, the expertise that we have into the heads and hands of the people who need it right now, this moment and may not have time to start therapy. And, but on, honest to God, knowing what I know about therapists, um, that's, that's an incredibly wonderful offer there at the $97 to do work with you online. And telehealth that's, that's- is very common now
1: that's the introduction. yes of right? course you know that's just to, to find out if i can help you and you want my help right but i do like people to have that opportunity to talk to me and see we'll always solve something in that time and the other thing if people prefer video you'll find my youtube channel it's called for relationship help f-o-r relationship h-e-l-p
0: Dr. Schaler, thank you so much again. As I said at the beginning of the show, this is our, this is your first time. Absolutely not your last time on Beyond Risk and Back. Um, really, thank you. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, the, this, this relationship beginning between the, both of us and being able to share. Uh, and I know you love being on Mental Health News Radio. I do too. So, folks, check out all our shows on Mental Health News Radio. But, doctor, thank you for being on Beyond Risk and Back.
1: Thank you so much, Aaron. I look forward to future conversations. It'll
0: happen sooner than later. Parents, check to see if you're in a hijackle cage. And go, 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 go to Doc's podcast. Go check out her website. Go listen to what she's got going on. It really is good stuff. Parents, it really helps if you go to YouTube and give me a review. That would be an amazing thank you to me for the stuff that has been happening these past three years. Um, we've got great reviews and of course with better reviews and more reviews we reach more people and that is my total goal there is to reach as many people in the world and to help as many families who are struggling with their kids as possible. Always a listen, a like and a subscribe and a share helps spread beyond Risk and back around the world. I want to thank Deepen Productions for the help on this podcast Uh, my own kids for tolerating me as a dad my wife for tolerating me as a husband and not rolling her eyes every day parents if you are wondering if your child actually needs residential care, you can call Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center at 303-443-3343. Speak with admissions. We will help you determine if it's needed. And if we are not the right place, we will help you find the one that will. And that call is free. Also online at firemountainprograms.com. You can take a free online assessment with regards to your child's needs. Please feel free to email me at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com. A-A-R-O-N, two A's, one r one O one N at FireMountainPrograms.com and ask me any question and give me ideas for more shows and more guests. Love to hear you. Parents, as always, you take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I will see you next time on Beyond Risk and back.